Hey there, friends. Hi, how's everyone doing today? I'm so glad. Or, aw, bummer. I hope it gets better either way. Welcome to the first episode of the Just Peachy podcast. The podcast where we discuss true crime, cults, and all sorts of spooky subjects. I'm Angel. And I'm Chloe. And we're best friends who are mildly fascinated by murder. <laughs> Okay, but seriously, we love true crime and all things spooky. It's just super interesting, so we naturally decided to start a podcast about the cases that are on our minds or that we've heard of in some kind of way. If this is also your kind of thing, then we would love for you to subscribe and join our Just Peachy fam. Or not. It's up to you. Okay, let's jump into our first case. Woohoo! Warning. The following program contains graphic descriptions of crime scenes, mature content, adult dialogue, and themes. Listener discretion is advised. Our case for today, Robin Davis and Sissy Saltzman, also known as the Thelma and Louise case. This one is tough because did they do it or are they innocent? Have you ever had a best friend before? But not just a best friend for a couple of years and then you drift apart. A best friend that is a ride or die kind of person. Someone who will stick by your side no matter what. The kind of friend that sees no fault in your wrongdoings. That kind of back you up and tell you how right that you were. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, today's case is about a BFF duo who seemed to have done the most to protect one another. Or did they? We start our case in Lake Charles in Louisiana. A peachy little town. But all was not just peachy in Louisiana. This town was described as very laid back. Lots of... Fishing, boats, and just that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, pretty much almost everyone had a boat. And the thing was, like, you take a couple of beers out on the boat and you go fishing all day. That That's the kind of vibe of this town. So the first person I want to talk about is Robin Davis. We tried to do some research regarding their backstories, how they grew up, where they grew up. But unfortunately, we couldn't find anything. We just know that they all are from Louisiana. Yeah. So Robin worked at an insurance company in Louisiana, and she was there for a little while. And that's when Brian joined the company. And initially, Robin and Brian really disliked each other. So Robin's actually quoted saying that she made a comment <laughs> at the company. Where did they drag this guy in from? So I think it's fair to say that she wasn't keen on Brian. A little bit of backstory on Brian, however. He was absolutely obsessed with fishing. Brian was the most happy when he was out on a boat and spending the day fishing in South Louisiana. A little while into their work relationship, Brian actually asked Robin out. He was quite keen on her. However, she wasn't that keen on him. But she agreed. She said, you know what, whatever, let me give this guy a chance. So she calls up Sissy. Now, Sissy is Robin's best friend. Sissy and Robin are, like, inseparable. These two go shopping together. They go to the hair salon together. They do absolutely everything together. This is, like, a best friend duo. Probably almost as good as ours, but 
Not quite. Don't want to give them too much credit. <laughs> so Robin calls Sissy and she's like, hey, girl, get this. This Brian guy asked me out. Sissy's like, what? No, stop. Robin's like, yes, I'm going out with this guy. So Sissy says to Robin, okay, cool. Call me afterwards and tell me how it goes. And uh, they kind of started dating from then. Robin and Brian entered a four-year courtship. So the thing that I picked up on that was they dated with the intent to get married, which is super interesting because if you start off a relationship disliking each other and then you end up dating with the intent to get married, it's it's kind of interesting. Also, do we know what ages they were when they got started dating? So as far as I understand, they were probably in their late 30s, early 40s. So this would have been Brian's third marriage and Robin's second. And they both have children from their previous marriage. So they both have children. Yes. So Robin had two children from her previous marriage and Brian had four children from his previous marriage relationships so his previous marriages it's not clear if the children are from the one and you know maybe it's two two or three one we're not sure okay but yeah so yeah combined they have six children so on june 29th of 2009 brian and his now wife robin go out to look at purchasing a boat so remember brian's super keen on fishing and he's looking at getting a new boat to go spend some time on them Louisiana waters, I guess. <laughs> so they're out for most of the day looking for a boat, but Brian doesn't find one that he's happy with, and Robin is feeling a little tired of looking at so many boats. She is quoted in an interview saying, quote, if I see another boat, I will die, end quote. So she said she was feeling very dramatic and kind of just wanted to head home. I mean, I Mm. get it. If it's not your thing, you don't want to look at boats all day. (laughs) Yeah, understandably. Yeah, I get Robin. So they head on home around 3.30 that afternoon. And Robin gets home. She's kind of like freshening up. Brian isn't quite done with his boat shopping trip. So he says to her that he's rather going to take his car and continue the search for his boat. So they swap cars. Brian owns a Honda Accord and Robin has the trailblazer that they were using while they were busy boat shopping. So Brian takes the Honda and Robin is going to now take her car, which the trailblazer to go fetch her best friend sissy and they're gonna run some errands around town robin and sissy head to town around 3 30 p.m off just after brian left apparently to just um run some errands head to a beauty salon um and just do some general errands that both had to do for that day yeah and also robin decided to also just stop by one more boat store just to check for brian so that was around 4 p.m that she there's actually cctv footage of her at a boat store not really clear if sissy was with her at that time maybe sissy was in a different store but yeah robin did stop by one more boat store on her way to run her errands. Okay, so she is alone on the CCTV footage. Yeah, very clear. Okay. So Robin and Sissy head back home after their day of shopping and running errands. So Robin and Sissy head on home back to Robin's place after their day of running errands. And yeah, they spend a few hours in town, you know, getting their hair done, doing their thing. And it's 
around about 6.37 and Robin is calling Brian because he hasn't returned home. She was kind of expecting him to be home about the same time that they got home and he wasn't there. So she started feeling a little bit anxious because there was a big storm heading their way and she was a bit worried that Brian was still out on the road. You know, maybe he would be stuck somewhere because apparently these storms can get quite hectic. So um, yeah, she was a bit concerned. So Robin and her daughter, Kelsey, they waited up at the house for Brian to come home and the hours are kind of going on. It's like reaching eight o'clock, nine o'clock and Brian still hadn't returned home. So at this point, was Sissy still there or had she left gone home? Sissy was still there. Yeah, she was still... I, I guess they returned home together because she's there until much later in the evening. Okay, yeah. okay. The evening goes on and Kelsey, Robin's daughter, she is feeling a bit tired. So she heads up to her room to go to bed and Robin and Sissy stay up to wait for Brian to come home. I just had a thought. If Robin picked Sissy out from her house the yeah. afternoon, how did Sissy go home then later that evening? I think she had her car oh that's actually a very good question because robin picks sissy up robin picks sissy up how does sissy go home <clears throat> because it's uh, robin doesn't go drop sissy off she leaves yeah so how does sissy get home oh that's a good question i think that's unless okay. sissy's think, husband uh, came to fetch her not no, sure S- sissy didn't have a husband she was unmarried wasn't she? I'm not sure. No, I'm pretty sure she was unmarried. So it's around midnight and Sissy is kind of getting tired and she heads on home and says to Robin, hey, just let me know when Brian gets back. Just send me a message or something. Just want to make sure he's safe. So just a little bit of a foundation for Brian, Robin, and Sissy. So Robin and Sissy are obviously best friends. And it's said that as Robin and Brian's relationship really kind of solidified and they were kind of in it for the long haul. They were planning to get married. Sissy actually became really great friends. I mean, it's even described that she was best friends with Brian. So she obviously was also very concerned that Brian wasn't home. So the next morning, Sissy wakes up and she hadn't received any message from Robin. No text message, no phone call saying that Brian was home safe. So Sissy gives Robin a call and says, hey, you know, is Brian back at the house yet? And Unfortunately, Robin responds saying that he never came home last night. Now, this caused quite a bit of concern for everyone because it's very strange for Brian to be out all night. It's not strange for Brian to not let them know where they are. He just usually does come home. He does come home, but sometimes, at sometimes, yeah, yeah, very late in the evening. In the back of their minds, they were a little bit suspicious like mm, question mark because brian had a bit of a nasty habit to say the least i mean brian liked to explore other options in terms of partners brian had a habit of being unfaithful to robin and this went beyond their marriage i mean he was unfaithful when they were married too but he started having affairs with multiple other women, even when they were dating. According to Sissy, Brian had been caught cheating on Robin not once, but twice with two different women before they got married. And she still married him. She still married him. She decided to put it behind her and give him that chance. Work on it. Yeah. She she tried. 
You do you, boo. Yeah. I mean, no judgment. If that's your thing, good for her, I guess. But, you know, bad on him. (laughs) Kelsey, Robin's daughter, was always a bit suspicious of Brian. She says that he seemed like he was always up to something, so she didn't really trust him. She described him as being flirtatious with women wherever they went. So, like, I'm guessing... If they went to a restaurant or something, he'd be kind of flirty with the waitress and Kelsey would be like, ew. Yeah. Bad form. As a daughter would do. Yeah, of course. Robin also noticed this flirty nature with women, but she said in an interview that she just sucked it up and tried to put her best foot forward. So Brian was having a two-year-long affair with a woman named Fanny Dietz. (laughs) Sorry. I think for the purposes of our complete lack of maturity and for composure reasons, we're going to call her the mistress. Now, remember, Robin and Brian had only dated for four years before they got married. And this affair ended only a couple of months before the day that Brian went MIA. Robin was probably feeling super suspicious during the night. But when midnight came, suspicions turned to concern because he always came home. Yeah, no matter how late. I mean, he would come home at like all different hours. But he would but come home. But he would home. come home. Yeah. So that is a little bit concerning. So she started calling hospitals to see, you know, maybe Brian was there because of the storm. Perhaps he got into a car accident or got stuck somewhere. Unfortunately, that led to no lead. So Robin eventually called the police. And unfortunately, the police turned her away and said she would have to wait 24 hours before she reported him missing. Do we know if that's a law it's- in America? It's standard procedure. Procedure, but it's not an actual law that you have to... Well, not a law, but it's not a rule that you have to wait 24 hours to report someone missing. Yeah, I mean, you can try, but the police will say that come back when it's 24 hours since you last saw them or... Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. Robin said that in the back of her mind, she wondered if he had finally walked out on their marriage. Because remember, she was aware of some of his affairs. It's not clear if she knew about all of them because he was a bit of a serial cheater, but... She kind of thought maybe he finally left her. So do we know if they were having any other marital problems aside from the affairs? Like, were they fighting a lot? Were they having money problems? Anything like that? So it's not clear that they were really having any marital problems. One thing that did come up was Robin and Brian really enjoyed online gambling. So it's unclear if they were having a lot of financial difficulties because Brian worked and Robin stayed at home. So I suppose at one point in their relationship, they were financially secure. And also they were looking to buy a boat. I think if you're in financial crisis, you're not going to buy a boat. I think people would surprise you with that one. That's true. That's true. So it's unclear. However, I think closer to Brian's MIA, um, there was a little bit of gambling debt that had been incurred. But there are conflicting reports. A lot of reports say that Robin had the issue. However, she has clarified that it was both her and Brian that enjoyed the online gamble. Mm. Okay. So Robin filed a missing persons report the following day. And it's very sad to say that... um, she reported him missing two days after he went missing. So the like it was the day that they went boat shopping. Yeah. The day. So where that afternoon. The she could report him missing. 
So the next afternoon. Yeah. So she. Oh, so, so only it, one night had passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she called the police. I I believe it was around midnight when she was phoning hospitals, and they said she had to wait 24 hours. So I'm guessing at around 3:34 that afternoon she reported him missing. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, so sad to say that the police recovered his body two days after he went missing. It's unfortunate that Brian had indeed passed away. He didn't pass away. He was murdered. He was murdered. Let's just let's just call it what it is so how did they find him so there was a motorist that was test driving a vehicle and he was test driving this vehicle on this road that brian was found so that's actually how his body was uncovered and it's actually quite miraculous that they found him so soon because the road that he was found on was kind of in the middle of nowhere it was (laughs) a deserted road yeah it was in the middle of nowhere so that was kind of pure luck i feel the police report that brian had been shot four times in the back do we know how he was found like was he sitting in the passenger side was he out of outside of the car to give some context so brian was found face down on the ground next to the car yeah so he wasn't in the car he was on the ground Mm -hmm. yeah he was outside of the vehicle the scene was described by police to be kind of weird so his car had been jacked up kind of like he was changing a tire so which would explain why he's outside of the car of course because he's changing his tire however upon further investigation they tested all of the tires so they had all four tires plus the spare and none of the tires had any punctures in it so they kind of found why is he changing his tire if the tire didn't need changing also brian was found with his belt undone and his shoes were off so he's lying outside of the car down belts undone shoes are off okay a little bit suspicious also it's the middle of winter isn't it in uh, in louisiana no it's june oh june no that's like like summer it's hot there oh it's summer for them oh it's winter here so for those of you listening our seasons are the other way around so we're in the southern hemisphere yeah so so june is cold here yeah no it's like hot hot in louisiana at this time of year so yeah but there was also the storm so yeah but like think about it are you gonna drive with your belt undone and your shoes off that's a bit suspicious what's that about i'm not saying i haven't done it (laughs) yeah i guess if you've like coming back from a restaurant your shoes are terrible. Like I'm gonna high heels and ate too much. And I'm gonna undo my belt if I ate too much. But Okay, we're yeah. we're getting off track. Some of Brian's valuables, interestingly enough, were also missing. So things like his laptop, his cell phone, wallet. However, the police were a little bit skeptical of calling this a robbery gone wrong because he still had his wedding ring and his watch, which I'm not sure. Like if I'm going to quickly nab something, I'm going to go for a laptop and a cell phone and get the heck out of there things that are not on his person because like i can i can understand why they don't believe the robbery theory because like if they already killed him they might as well take the ring and the watch yeah but if i were a thief i wouldn't go for things that are on the on a person like loose things that are in a car is is much easier yeah and also like fingerprints if if you're not wearing gloves i guess you're not wearing gloves you're gonna be touching the body and you know at that point you probably killed him you might as well just nab everything else i guess another super interesting item that went missing was his gun so 
Brian was described to be quite trigger happy. He loved guns. He was always like shooting guns. He was going down to the shooting range. He was kind of like a gun enthusiast. So he was known to always carry a weapon with him. I guess it's kind of like a handgun. Sorry. I don't know guns that well. But as far as I understand, it was a handgun that he had with him. But that gun was amongst the valuables that were missing. Okay. And do we know if the gun was ever recovered? It was not. Yeah. Gun was never recovered. Sadly, a lot of crucial evidence was missing because there obviously the storm that had come past washed away a lot of key evidence that would usually be collected. Things like DNA, tire tracks, footprints, things like that. So unfortunately, the, the police didn't really have much to go on. So this is when things get a little bit weird in the investigation because the police start suspecting the person who listed Brian as missing. Although I do feel like it's logical uh, to look into Robin Mm. since statistically your partner in life is the most likely to murder you. Yeah. It's like, it's most likely someone you know. Partners are first in line. So it's not unusual that they looked at her, but do they have a reason to suspect her? The reason is hilarious. Get ready, everybody. This, you better feel some kind of way if you get told your husband has been found dead because the reason they suspected her was because she showed little emotion. Very little. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's a reason to suspect someone because everyone handles grief in a different way. Like, I can't say how I would react if someone comes to tell me my husband is dead. Yeah, I, I don't agree. have a husband, but <laughs> hypothetically, you're, you're better to speak on that than I am. Yeah, I but, think... But, like, no one knows how they would react. Yeah, I think it's a complicated thing because it's also said that Robin knew before the police told her so it's unclear the timeline regarding her being informed he was dead so robin and sissy say that sissy was called by a very good friend of hers that sissy turned on the tv put on the news they found a body and then sissy called robin and said they found his body so it's kind of led on you're kind of led to believe that robin had already been informed by sissy that Mm. brian's body had been recovered so i guess i don't know if you want to put it as her initial grieving had already taken place yeah i was just about to say so by the time the police got to her she was probably already grieving yeah um so i completely understand i'm not sure if i feel that's a valid reason to start suspecting someone no i mean i guess it's like oh that's a bit strange Mm. we'll take note of that but to start a whole investigation around robin just because of her reaction it's a bit strange to be noted but not necessarily motive for her being a prime suspect in fact the police started speculating just based off of her reaction that robin and sissy had lured ryan out to that deserted road and killed him for his life insurance policy do we know the value of his life insurance policy his life insurance policy was between six hundred and forty five thousand dollars and seven hundred thousand dollars which is a pretty decent payout pretty decent amount um but we also don't know if uh, robin didn't increase his life insurance policy or anything no like okay no so there wasn't any suspicious activity regarding Mm. that um the police were suspicious that she tried to claim it two weeks after he was dead I don't necessarily find that suspicious. I guess the day after, sure. But two weeks? 
That's a long time. I wonder what the average amount of time is that people wait to collect life insurance yeah. after a loved one has passed. Yeah, what's appropriate? I guess. I don't know. It's not like you're... But I mean, you've got funeral bills to pay. It's unexpected costs incurred. So I don't blame her. Two weeks isn't weird for me. No, I don't I don't think it's weird. Um, um, you have to pay for the funeral. Even if you don't have a funeral, you have to pay for, like, you have, like, cremation ambulance, or burial. cremation, burial. Yeah. You have to pay for a lot of things, hospital bills, if you have any. And it's any. unexpected. You know? Yeah, it's unexpected. So, you know, not, not everyone is prepared for those costs. So, yeah. it's, I don't think it's very strange to want to collect that money to help you out with, especially because Robin wasn't working at the time. Brian no. was the sole breadwinner in the relationship so it does make sense that she would pick up the insurance money although there was another theory circling but not necessarily on the police side more so on robin and sissy's friends and family side because obviously they can't believe for one second that robin and sissy are capable of killing brian they describe robin to be she can't even hurt a fly kind of thing and sissy is short so they're like, that would not work. Yeah, because we all know that like you you can't kill someone if you're short. Yeah, obviously. You if that. you are short, you're incapable of murder, according oh, to Robin and Sissy's friends. So this theory was that Brian had gone to that secluded spot to meet with a woman. Not necessarily the mistress, but a woman. From our research, it seemed that Brian was quite into... Exhibitionism. He was an exhibitionist. And if you're not you sure go. what it is, please don't Google it. I'll tell you. Basically, he Ask liked. Your mother. <laughs> Sorry. Basically, Brian liked to have relations in the outdoors, in public kind of thing so it led a lot of friends and family to say hey you know what maybe he went out there to have relations with someone and you know something went wrong kind of thing also given the state of you know how brian was found with his belt undone his shoes were off it wasn't too exaggerated and also given his history of cheating on on robin it it wasn't a crazy theory i i kind of want to say so It's not impossible. It's not impossible. The mistress, she gave her own opinion on this theory. She said that Brian was obsessed with his Honda. His Honda was the love of his life. Guy loved his car. And there would be no way that he would take that car out into the boondock area to... I don't know, meet up with someone. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with um, Louisiana, so the boondock area is kind of like rural. It's super like tall grass, kind of swampy. It's muddy. It's dirty. You're going to, if you take your car out there, it's going to get full of mud. You're kind of going to have to take it to a car wash almost like immediately afterwards. So um, it's a rough and tough kind of like thing. So what the mistress was saying was, He kind of freaked out if a bug hit his windshield, so there's no way he would risk taking his car out there um, and get her dirty kind of thing. So, yeah, there was a lot of back and forth with this theory, but, I mean, who knows at this point? (laughs) The biggest piece of evidence that convinced the police that Robin and Sissy were involved was their cell phone records, specifically 
Sissy's cell phone. So when police had interviewed Sissy, she said that she was at home between the hours of 11.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. And she had her phone with her the entire time. She was waiting for Robin to come pick her up so that they could go run some errands together. However, the prosecution claims that at roughly 1.30 p.m., Sissy's phone was pinging off of a cell phone tower 11 miles away from her home and that tower was pretty close to the crime scene. Yeah, so I think what's important to note here is the prosecution said that her phone was pinging 11 miles away from her home and she did say she was home during that time, close to the crime scene. I should also just put into perspective here that cell phone towers work like it is possible for a tower to get overloaded and then your signal would be rerouted to the next tower, which could be, I mean, the next one could be 11 miles away. We're not 100% sure. But also, um, at 1.30pm, at the time that Sissy's phone was being close to the crime scene, Brian was still with Robin in town looking for boats. So we still have them together on CCTV footage. And it's outside of the window that he got murdered. So I personally do feel like that claim, even though she clearly could have lied, I do feel that that isn't necessarily evidence that that she is the murderer. It's circumstantial at best. And also, if Brian and Robin are on CCTV footage at a boat store at 3 3 15 i mean if yeah. her phone is pinging 130 off of that tower that's way before the murder takes place the murder takes place roughly between 3 30 and probably 7 that night i'm guessing that's the window so it's a bit of a thin theory that's that's our opinion yeah that case. is that is our we personal opinion um but yeah i just feel that it might be irrelevant um as we do know he was alive after that time unless her phone continued pinging on that tower until the window of the murder i don't think that can be seen as solid evidence yeah the fact that they presented it at 1 30 and not during the window of the murder of like the why 1 30 yeah what does that have to do with anything lunch great she was probably at the bar for lunch (laughs) maybe who knows the other reason that the police were suspecting robin and sissy was the fact that sissy's car was giving her some troubles the day before brian went missing so she borrowed his car police suspect that she still had brian's car the day that he went missing so here's where we have quite a few questions um if you remember previously we talked about how robin went to go pick up sissy from her house and then for their errands and then sissy drove back home around 12 p.m now this theory would make sense if brian still had sissy's car and she still had his car however it is noted in the evidence that brian left the house in his honda and so that then would not make sense why he still had sissy's car but he also had his own car yeah like how did brian leave because it's very clear that robin had the trailblazer and brian left in his honda and they found the honda with his body so yeah that question kind of comes into play who's in whose car i also just feel like i do have to know that the mistress said that brian was obsessed with his car so that does leave me thinking why would he borrow his car to sissy instead of robin's trailblazer yeah if he was that obsessed with his car that just is something that doesn't make quite a lot of sense to me but it Mm. is just one of the many unanswered questions of this podcast yeah, you would kind of think you, like, Robin would have then offered the trailblazer to Sissy. 
as opposed to the Honda. Yes. Because that's her car and it's her best friend. So yeah. Yeah. That's also fuzzy. The whole borrowing the car kind of thing. It's a bit fuzzy. It does plant doubt in my mind, but I'm not convinced yet. (laughs) Yeah. See, this is like, it's a small thing that I'm curious about, but I don't think this fact makes or breaks the case. No. Like whether we have the answer to it is not going to give us an answer to whether they committed the crime or not. Yeah. Here is where a lot of doubt comes into play when considering who is actually responsible for this murder. Was it Sissy and Robin? Was it someone else? We don't know. The first thing, it was proven that the police made a lot of mistakes when investing this murder. And I think that really, that upsets me because when police make mistakes, it's, I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Everybody makes those days. (laughs) Sorry. You know, as Hannah Montana said, everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> However, yeah. it, it is a little bit more serious when the police make mistakes, especially when investigating a murder. So one of these mistakes was there was surveillance footage that was quote, lost from a nearby bar that had a camera facing the road near the crime scene. So this bar was kind of also like in the middle of nowhere. It was kind of a place where I guess, you know, bikers would stop and, you know, it was just like a middle of nowhere kind of bar. And they had several surveillance cameras and one was specifically facing the road the road that he was found in is the road that you drive towards this bar yes you would drive this road to go towards the crime scene so this footage would have most likely revealed who was driving the honda that day whether it was sissy or brian because it was quite close it would have revealed the driver of the car i also think that the footage could have revealed who else was there i mean it could have shown if it was robin's car or if there was another car at the scene the footage would have given us that as well yes absolutely but according to the investigation the police had obtained this footage and then lost it so it was never entered into evidence which is exceptionally frustrating and it's unclear if it was maliciously lost or if it genuinely was a mistake that's unclear but obviously it's just not okay to lose evidence so crucial especially when you don't have dna or any other evidence that will directly link robin and sissy to this crime secondly the mistress had confessed to her husband about their affair just two months before brian was murdered and police didn't interview him did they confirm that he had an alibi so his alibi was his boss and his boss said well he was at work the whole day but i mean with the murder window being from 3 30 onwards to like 7 p.m uh most companies work nine to five so that would still have given him a two-hour window Absolutely. And, I mean, even if someone has an alibi, this is Brian's mistress's husband. He has motive, right? He's got motive. We are not accusing him. However, there is motive. There's at least disclaimer. We are not accusing this poor man. I mean, shame. (laughs) His wife had an affair with this Brian guy. But it is worth looking into. It is worth looking into. At least getting it on record, his statement about the whole incident, you know. And how he felt about everything that happened. Yeah, and just just kind of determining whether there was motive or not. You know, I feel that's more reason to investigate a little bit further than Mm. Robin's reaction. Also, there is no physical evidence that is linked 
to Robin and Sissy. All the evidence that the police and the investigation team have against these two women are entirely circumstantial. So just the question here, did Robin and Sissy ever do polygraphs? No, it's not. I mean, it's not clear that they did any oh, sort so of polygraph. Not no. anyway. okay. However, yeah. Robin and Sissy were interviewed by police separately. And yes, there were a couple of incidents where their stories were changing. Um, yeah. Like the cell phone, where was Sissy's whereabouts kind of thing. Um, however, there was nothing concrete that was kind of lining police up to believe that they did it. Yeah, so I think, um, I'm, I'm not sure, like stories changing a little bit isn't something that I feel is necessarily suspicious. I mean, if you had asked me what I was doing yesterday um, at exactly the precise times, I wouldn't have been able to tell you because I didn't know that a big event was like something big like a murder happened that day so like i can barely remember what i had for dinner last night and i mean i wouldn't know where i was exactly like yeah i was at home yeah i was like i went out but i can't remember the exact times because it was just another day i mean you didn't in the moment think you know what i have to account everything i do today because i might be asked about it later maybe we should we should also i live alone is bad for alibis yeah or yeah cctv yeah yeah Another massive piece of evidence that may prove Robin's innocence, and we mentioned this briefly earlier on, but just to kind of remind everyone that there was surveillance footage of her stopping at a boat shop to look at a few more boats for Brian while she was running her errands just an hour before the police say Brian was murdered. So that's in the that 3.30 frame. So she was probably shopping at around 4 or 4.30. Um, and that's when she was caught on CCTV footage shopping again. just She probably stopped by, looked at another boat or two. And her defense also notes her attire while she was shopping. Not that there's, you know, an outfit to wear when you murder someone. Um, not that I'm aware of. But in the CCTV footage, Robin is seen in flip-flops, white trousers, and a black t-shirt. And when you consider the area that Brian was murdered in, um, the boondocks, again, it's super rough out there. Rough terrain, high grass, super muddy. It's just what she was wearing wasn't exactly the kind of outfit you're gonna go kill your husband in. I'm not sure. That's my two cents. <laughs> it's quite an outfit. Yeah. And finally, there was no murder weapon recovered. None. It's even unclear if it was his own gun. I mean, that wasn't clarified. His gun is missing. So is it the same gun that, that he was killed? Yeah. Because I mean I'm not I'm not very uh, knowledgeable about guns, but I'm sure they would be able to test if he was shot with the same bullets that his yeah. gun would have. Yeah, they hundred percent would have. And I mean, if they if the bullets were found, because he was shot in the back, so it's not clear if there were exit wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could absolutely test that. And you know, interviewing family and friends, uh, his brother I'm sure could have clarified what kind of gun he carried the one that went missing so it's it's super unclear i mean a lot of these details for this case are just unclear which really plants doubt in my mind like did they do it like really did they yeah, do it it's not sure nothing concrete no 
So yeah, the trial for Robin Davis and Sissy Saltzman began in April 2012, three years after the murder of Brian Davis. After deliberating for only three hours, the jury returned and found Robin and Sissy as guilty of second-degree murder. The weird part of this is that the jury voted 11 to 1 on guilty. One jury member refused to believe that the prosecution proved beyond a reasonable doubt that these women were guilty. And I'll... As far as I know, the jury did vote multiple times. Multiple times, yeah. And this one jury member refused to budge. Yeah, so Um, it was a woman, um, a female jury member, and she, time and time again, when asked why did she keep voting against the guilty vote, she said that she feels that the prosecution really failed in their job in proven beyond a reasonable doubt because she just felt that the this the evidence was circumstantial at best and there mm. are things that could have explained why the cell phone was pinging on a different tower things like that so she really didn't believe beyond a reasonable doubt that these two women deserve second degree murder so in most states in america this would have resulted in a mistrial but in louisiana only 10 votes for guilty are needed in a murder trial so in 2019, Robin and Sissy appealed their case, but ju- the presiding judge denied the woman's motion. They are currently serving life sentences in the same prison. They are in the same cell block, mm-hmm. and they still maintain their innocence to this day. Yeah, yeah. They see each other not as often as obviously you would expect. Um, it's said yeah. that they see each other in the church the prison has a little church there so they get to see each other in the church um but that's pretty much the only interaction they have robin and sissy say that their friendship is stronger than ever when asked do they blame each other sissy kind of laughed it off and said are you kidding me like we are stronger than ever our relationship is still there and kind of like she suspects she expects it to stay as strong because otherwise no what was the point (laughs) yeah um so i must say like thinking back about all the information we covered up so far i don't think i would say i'm convinced that they did it i'm not convinced i am not 100 percent convinced beyond reasonable doubt yeah i'm not 100 percent convinced that they did not do it same But I'm not 100% convinced that they did do it. This is a tough one because there are so many other variables that are in play. And without a murder weapon, it's almost impossible to point a finger 100% this person did it or these people did it. So there are a lot of questions I have for this case. It's not straightforward. No, not at all. And what was the motive? But that's the thing. A lot of articles are skewed towards Robin is a scorned wife. And that story sells. But is it the truth? Are we selling the truth? Yeah, that is the question, I guess. This case isn't as, like, very widely covered, which is also, I guess, why a lot of aspects of this case is very unclear. So, Chloe, what do you think about this case? Murder, isn't it? But yeah, let us know what you guys think. Um, yeah, please feel free to send us your opinion on our Instagram. Yeah, our Instagram is just peachy podcast. Yeah. Please, we want to hear your thoughts and opinions on this case. And also any suggestions for future cases that you guys want to hear about. Yeah, we are always open to suggestions. Um, so please do like DM us, leave a comment. And please also like the podcast if you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks everybody. Stay peachy. Mm-hmm.